Blog Talk Radio. Well, hello, everybody. This is Ursula Pottinger from Be Above Leadership, and I am here with uh, my wonderful business partner, Anne Betts, and we have a guest today that Anne will be introducing. And today's episode is Laughing Our Way Through. Um, so, Anne, I let you, I'm going to let you introduce um, our fabulous guest. Yeah, the really delightful and um, very funny Jim Bob Williams. And I met him last year um, in my, I got to participate in the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor. And Jim serves as the secretary. um, And also he's on something called the Illuminati, which is the research council, which I think is a really good name. One of the things that if you get nothing else out of today, just even knowing that there are people out there that are trying to figure out the value and the place of humor in human development and healing is amazing. And Jim Bob has this wonderful background of as an engineer and manager of chemical companies. So we would tend to put people like that, you know, in certain boxes. And Jim Bob, I just don't think you fit in any box, do you? (laughs) No, I keep, I keep overflowing. What can I say? I like that. Well, I think it probably did train you, and you can tell me whether this is true. One of the things about the um, applied, the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor, AATH, you can look them up online, is that they are not just funny people, although they are very funny. I mean, I went to this conference, and here's all these people talking about research walking around with flamingos on their heads and red clown noses to get a sense of it. But they're really devoted to grounding this and saying, you know, why does humor make us feel better? Why does it reduce our stress? So that's what we're hoping to talk to Jim Bob about today and get some of his insights on that. So welcome. Okay. Well, thank you. Pleasure to be here. Uh, All right. I'd like to talk about a little bit about where therapeutic humor began with the AATH. That'd be awesome. Give us some context. That'd be great. Because it started when a group of teachers and a group of nurses uh, found that they had something in common, that humor made them more effective in their jobs. And I'm thinking of people like Mary Kay Morrison uh, and uh, and, uh, Beth Boynton and others. And so the question came up, well, why is it more, why does it make you more effective? And they found some people that were doing research. And so now you have an organization which includes everything from Ph.D. neurologists, psychologists, counselors, motivational speakers, doctors, nurses, uh, and then all the way to literal clowns, okay? Okay. (laughs) We have people involved in therapeutic uh, clowning, especially with children's hospitals, Mm -hmm. and all have found, found this amazing thing that humor makes things better. Yeah. And I discovered this uh, the hard way on the streets, uh, as it were. Uh, and after I retired from the chemical industry, I was looking for my next jam, and I uh, was got, get, got involved with community theater and an improv group. And I don't know if you remember a Loretta LaRoche. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, no. She had some – okay. Up in the 90s, uh, she did some motivational speaking. And my company at the time was going through a horrible uh, reorganization. It was miserable. I saw one of her specials on PBS. Okay. And oh, yeah. she was just about using laughter to improve levity. She's 
still active, does a lot of Facebook posting. I saw that, and I found a tape, and I showed it to my uh, the group that I was working with. And they came out of that meeting, they said, this is exactly what we needed. All we've heard is gloom and doom. Nobody's telling us uh, how, uh, you know, what other things we can do to try to manage our stress. And so I, I became a big fan of hers. Uh, and then I found out that, uh, you know, she had ties to AATH. So I said, well, you know, I got to go to one of these conferences. So I went yeah. to a conference in San Diego, attended the class for uh, Humor Academy, uh, designed to teach people the theory and humor and application of humor. And I came away and said, this is my tribe. Okay. Mm-hmm. I've been using improv techniques as a manager. I didn't know they were improv techniques. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. I use a lot of humor in training and people would say, gee, we like it when you do the training because you let, you make us laugh. Yeah. And he says, you know, mm-hmm. I always read your emails because you always have a relevant joke in there. And I was like, okay. So, um, kind of self-discovered, and now I want to learn how to do it properly. Mm-hmm. That is great. So one of the things that AATH, and I know you're in the middle of this, and I got to see some presentations last year, was was the Humor Academy with the capstone project of basically looking to see how humor makes a real difference. And um I want to ask you, you know, in this time, and if you're listening to this later, you'll notice we're recording it on May 8th, 2020, where, you know, most of the world has been on some form of quarantine lockdown for a couple of months now. What's been your experience and what are your thoughts about how humor is helping right now? What are you seeing? What I'm seeing is that people that are involved in making humor, seem to be coping better than people who are not. Uh, for example, um, I have a group that we from the improv troupe I was in. We get together every week, and we run some improv exercises. Okay, And most who come away that and say, you know, that felt a lot. I feel better now. Okay? Mm-hmm. I think I can handle this. Uh, there's another group mm-hmm. of, it, of the comics that gets together, and I want to give a shout-out to Drew Tarvin, uh, the humor engineer, uh, he did a series of workshops on how to write comedy in April as part of the National Humor Month, and they were very energizing. Okay, and I've came across research that indicated that people that create humor, either writing jokes, doing improv, memes, whatever, uh, tended to have less uh, less stress than people that just consumed humor. Okay, so there's mm-hmm. there's a okay. And uh, some of the people that I've met through improv, they've indicated they don't they don't uh, need as they don't need their anxiety meds as much when they're doing improv regularly. Okay? Mm. Just the I think part of that is it's being part of a community. Okay, mm-hmm. and talk and be able to talk to someone and having that shared experience of creating something that's that's funny, that's something that's entertaining. Uh, something that might uh, give an unexpected insight in the world. Uh, so uh, that is how I, I bet, you know, coming coming out of this, okay, uh, I hope we see uh, more applications of therapeutic humor because I really think we're, uh, as, I, as I mentioned on a number of, number of uh, occasions elsewhere, I think the world, as we go through the reopening of various uh, states, cities, and economies, 
we're about to engage in the biggest improv project the world has ever seen. Mm-hmm. You know, we, 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 you know, we have a very incomplete uh, template of, uh, of how to do this, and we're going to have to adapt. We're going to have to, um, yeah, we're going to have to go through some uh, some very rough patches. But I think the I really believe that you know uh, improv gives you a framework in order to accept the uh, slings and hours of outrageous fortune, as <laughs> in Shakespeare would put it. That's great. I really I think- love that. Ursula, what do you think is going on in people's brains that make yeah, the music um, so cool? Yeah, I was just uh, I was just sort of pondering uh, that as uh, Jim Bob, Bob was talking, there's a couple of things that come to mind. Um, I think uh, you already talked about that, Jim Bob. This uh, it's part of the creative process. Creativity really helps us um, sort of step outside this very narrow view that we can have of the world and it opens up uh, the bigger picture. But then I also think about playfulness. Um, I don't think you can be too serious about things when you are trying to create improv uh, or something that's humorous or write a script that is is funny. Um, So I I think this playful aspect uh, must make a huge difference uh, for people and you know playfulness and creativity and I really are more of a domain of the right hemisphere versus you know being serious and very narrow in how we see the or how information is processed on the left I mean what is what's your take on that um I think yeah definitely it's getting us into a more open flexible brain state whether that's right hemisphere, I think that's probably right. I think it's also, um, and there's some evidence for this with really accomplished comics who are making um, really good connections, like on the fly, improvisational. You also see this in improvisational Mm -hmm. jazz. You see more default mode where the brain can kind of make these interesting quick connections because Mm -hmm. it's in more open space. And I do think that when whatever gets us there you know, we get more flexibility in general. So if we get there through creating improv, that leaks out into the rest of life. Um, What about for people, Jim, Bob, that don't feel, you know, that don't feel like they're funny or don't feel like they can create humor, you know, what can they do during this time if they can't, if they're sort of like, oh, well, then I'm screwed because I can't do improv. (laughs) What can they do? Okay. Uh Okay. I can't play an instrument, all right? I mean, I, I had a couple of years of viola lessons, a few years of recorder lessons. Okay, I I can't really do music. But I can appreciate music, and I appreciate music of others. Okay? So if someone is not, quote, naturally funny, and I think that's a misnomer, but more on that later, okay, uh, you can you can be a curator of humor, when you find, you know, the funny meme, the funny picture, the funny joke, put it away in a, you know, uh, keep a record of it, keep a notebook or a file, and and so that you can refer to it, and then you'll then you'll find that oh, uh, that'll start some connections going, and you'll start to, you know, you'll be faced with a situation, uh, your brain will lead you to that joke or that funny picture, and you say, you know, I can use this to illustrate a point, mm. and then. Uh, you can incorporate it into your 
uh, dare I say, PowerPoint presentations or (laughs) in the dry world there. Uh, I think when you use humor in a presentation, it's kind of like hitting the reset button. Mm. The brain makes the connections and recognizes some absurdity or incongruity, and it it sort of wakes it up and says, okay, and then you're open to new things. That's why, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, again, you know, you research training is more effective, and that's industrial training or uh, uh, teaching of uh, high school or college students or in adult learning when it's broken up. Who's the teacher that you re- usually re- remember the best? The funny one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, we, you know, I think we we get a good feeling from it. We get that uh, you know, surge of uh, you know, dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, and endorphins. Okay. And now we're more open to learning. Mm-hmm. And, it, and this usually makes you a lot more open to learning than, you know, getting hit with a ruler. <laughs> well, I, I wanted to say something uh, to that uh, degree, Jim, Bob. Uh, you know, when I think about uh, improv, um, I, uh, Anne and I have a good bod- buddy who is a coach who does improv. Um, mm. I think we need to, when we do that, we need to be a little bit less risk averse. We need to, you know, we need to step into the unknown because, you know, improv is not predictable. It's like, you know, whatever shows up, shows up. And I think that's a really great life skill to have that maybe through improv really teaches us and helps us be more comfortable with the unexpected. Exactly. I, really, I think. Oh, I love Go that. Ahead. Go ahead, Bob. No, sorry, Anne, go ahead, please. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, because I think flexibility, you know, transfers to so many other places, and that makes a lot of sense. Jim, Bob, you mentioned this thing, and it's something that, you know, you and I talked about at one point, and I think it's such a good, handy um, uh, memory aid, because you talk about you got you need to get your daily dose. And so ever since you mentioned that, I'm always thinking about, my daily dose of humor. So can you explain the daily dose a little bit? You mentioned it, but come back and kind of make it, make it uh, illuminate that a little bit more. Very good, Doug. Uh, for sake of full disclosure, I'm an engineer, so I love acronyms. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta have. And I remember sitting in a lecture at uh, uh, AATH Humor Academy. I believe it was uh, Karen Buxman. And she mentioned that when, uh, when we laugh, it increases the flow of dopamine, oxytocin, uh, serotonin, and endorphins, D-O-S-E. Okay? Mm. Uh, that has beneficial effects. It, it, uh, it's amazing. If you realize that if you developed a drug that would uh, in, in, induce this, okay, you'd be heavily regulated by the FDA. <laughs> okay? <laughs> okay. I mean, you, you, you know. Uh, you, you might be illegal, you know, but I, I'm, I'm just thinking to myself, I, I've probably got the knock-knock jokes and shaggy dog stories with a street value over $15,000. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, let me say something else about that, Jim Bob, because I think, you know, some of the ways, I mean, some of what is making this time so hard is there are other ways that we get some of those drugs. You know, we get oxytocin through touch and through closeness and even eye contact. 
and we mm-hmm. get dopamine through being able to anticipate and predict and things like that. And so I think it's a really great takeaway to say, you know, some of your some of your steady suppliers aren't on the street right now. So yeah. <laughs> you know, go hit yeah. up humor. They've got your humor has your drugs for you. No, I got to stay six feet away from my wife, and you know that's an improvement because it was twenty feet before, but still. <laughs> that's awesome. That's great. Um, you know, is there anything else that you feel like people should be doing more of during this time that will help there? You know, I think it's a you know a little bit on a serious note. You know, we're looking at at this is a tough time for people mentally as well as yes. financially and all of that. But I'm, I am concerned about people's mental health because it's so against, you know, the way that we're used to living. So do you have any other, you know, advice about other than get your daily dose, you'll probably feel better, create some humor, curate some humor, anything else you can think of? Now, probably the um, most important improv skill there is, and that is listening. Okay. When you see the Facebook post, by someone you know that's invoking some kind of absurd conspiracy, okay, as an explanation for the spread of the disease or something like that, okay? Right, the, the left side of my brain <laughs> is just screaming at me, you know, you know, you know, haven't, they, you know haven't they seen the studies? Haven't they been uh, looking at this? Or, but I say, no, let me listen. What are they really saying? Okay. And a lot of times they're saying, I'm scared, I don't know what to do. Um, and say, so, okay, so here's, you know, here's what I do, is try to listen and understand where they're coming from. Mm. Uh, there's a wonderful book by uh, Malcolm Gladwell called Talking to Strangers. Mm. Uh, yeah, his newer book, yeah. Yeah, and I, I recommend it, especially the audio book, because the point that he's trying to make is that the thing that people are usually the worst at but think they're the best at is reading the intentions of other people. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that, and so, you know, keeping that in mind saying, all right, uh, you know, you're just recognizing, you know, our, our humanity and our ability to, to make an error. Say, so, okay. Uh, you, know, you know, try to listen to the person, give them a fair hearing. And when, uh, again, in, in the case of the, you know, you know, irrational conspiracy thing. Try to ground it. Okay. Uh, for example, mm-hmm. uh, you know, saw a post attributing this quote from uh, Trey Gowdy, uh, congressman, that the, you know the, the whole thing was some gigantic political conspiracy, and they threw it on the internet. I said, well, yeah, did a little fact checking. Said, well, you know, Trey Gowdy himself denied ever saying that. <laughs> okay. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. Uh, uh, so leading the mom gently. Um, there is a uh, sorry to go back into the uh, you know, improv example, but there's a wonderful article I read which compared improv, counseling, and martial arts. Okay, and all these things have in common where you're dealing with someone, and you might have to read their intent. Okay. Okay. So you recognize your intent. You have to accept what they're doing. Okay, and then you have to direct. You may, or you may have to direct their action in a manner so that neither one of you gets hurt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So, so you're in a counseling situation. Somebody comes in, 
and they feel depressed, anxious, whatnot, you know, you, know, you wouldn't tell them, oh, you're not depressed, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you, you, you come back and say, you say yes, and, you know, what, you know, what are the things that are making you depressed? You know, yes, mm-hmm. and you, know, you acknowledge mm-hmm. that condition, and you deal with it. And uh, you know, I, uh, you know, martial arts instructor, okay, somebody's throwing a punch at you, okay? You can't deny it and say, well, that's not a punch, okay? You'll end up losing teeth. <laughs> you have to say yes and take an appropriate action. <laughs> but, you know, direct it, you know, direct it away from you uh, there. And, you know, in, a, in an improv scene, somebody gives you a bad offer, all right. I didn't want to have an elephant, you know, with a tutu carrying a submachine gun in this scene, but that's what they did. Okay, mm. let's work, you know, let's take it, work with it, and direct it to a, uh, you know, to a better place for the whole, um, yeah, you know, you know for, for the whole show. So, uh, mm-hmm. again, that you know that, you know, and then so uh, you're trying to get to understand what the intent, somebody's intent are for why they did something crucial and that takes the listening skill and a lot of improv is listening <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah i am wondering even um and and uh, jim bob uh, you know i find that some of i mean so i'm pondering for myself whether there is a way to listen and look at some of the uh, whether it's facebook postings or what people are saying and is there a way to see the funny side of it, or is there a is there a place where we can look at it and go, well, this is actually humorous? So where we can actually where we can bring the laughter in, where we can bring the humor in into a situation that is either you know conspiracy theory or somewhat extreme or whatever. I mean, I don't know how to phrase this, but what, what do you? I mean, and what what do you think? I mean. I- Part of what I was thinking about was this sort of this interesting place that that is being required right now. And I think always in life, you know, this morning I was looking through my Facebook feed and there was a lot of conspiracy stuff out this morning. And it was just making me feel kind of down. You know, it just was I just thought, you know, I need to not do this right now. I need to get through my own day and, you know, take care of my people. And, you know, maybe I need to just actually filter, be able to filter that out right now and not mm-hmm. get it um, because I, I think that's a real challenge. And it, it brings up this question we have, which is, you know, how do we use humor without using it to disconnect, like making fun of people or not? Yeah. Us and so Jim, Jim Bob, I think the way you're talking about it is really kind, you know, listening. Um, and it, then the paradox of also for me saying like I just can't. You know, there was a there was a big one out today that was pretty fairly well disproven and taken. You know, a video, YouTube video that was taken down and you know lots of evidence that mm-hmm. this particular person was talking in a non very reliable way. Um, so I don't want to laugh at the people or feel like I'm better than the people that are believing that, but at the same time, it's a little hard to take sometimes. So, you know, how do we use humor to connect rather than disconnect and point fingers, I guess maybe is my big question. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, uh, I think there's a, a verse in the Bible that uh, covers this, which is, uh, you know, love covers a multitude of sins. Uh, <laughs> that you have a loving attitude toward that person and think the best of them, what 
I find sometimes can be helpful is look for something where you do have common ground on and that you can both laugh at or, or try to mm-hmm. laugh at the situation, not the person. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, look for, you know, because uh, there's always this, you know, strange incongruity, you know, incongruity. Uh, for example, okay, at risk of offending some of the, uh, some of the audience here. Uh, <laughs> okay. But uh, you know, okay, remember the, you know, the, uh, Demonstrations in Michigan, where you had, you know, people coming up and, you know, you know, you know, screaming at guards, okay, you know, to to open up the economy or whatnot, okay, and and you know, the guards are standing there, calmly, passively wearing their, wearing their masks, okay, and the protesters are literally in their faces, you know, you know, you know, you know, screaming and there's a lot of anger. Yeah, yeah. And so I looked at that and said, you know, okay. You know, when did blue lives stop mattering? Okay. Yeah. Okay. You know, th- yeah. those police are putting themselves in risk. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Why, why would you do that? Okay. That wasn't the funniest one. Sorry, the kid will be good. Uh, no, no, that was good. made me think, you know, it made me think that a lot of the, the protesters may have been protesting for blue lives mattering. You know, you're the sort of the, so you're, you're saying, you know, this is an example of humor po- being a way to get at incongruity. And right. maybe in a digestible way, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, and that's trying to, you know, and you, you, you've changed the, um, you know, you've changed the metaphor, or you've changed the, uh, you know, the, the idea, the, the scope of the conversation, there to include, you know, let's look at, you know, some something broader than, uh, that. yeah. And there's a lot of, uh, you know, examples, uh, you know, like that. Uh, where, you know, where you, you can't get, you, know, you know, again, let me go. Sorry to rewind the tape here. Okay. Okay. The main main point is find that find some common ground. Okay. You know, try and and try to work from there with the person that you disagree with. Okay. Yeah, uh, and I I think what's really coming up for me um, is that this humor is a tool, and like any other tool, it can be used to build uh-huh. or can be destroy. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. That is exactly right. And if, here's something that's uh, again pointed out in some in some research, and that there are different types of humor, right? Uh, there's you know affiliative humor where you're using humor to show that you're part of the crowd. You know, you laugh at the same things. And then there's a type of humor which is, tries to establish dominance over someone else. Okay? Yeah. And there you have, uh, you know, all, all sorts of you know racist and political uh, overtones where you're just trying to show your superiority over them. Mm-hmm. And here's the sad part, <laughs> or or maybe maybe it's maybe it's the uh, that is that you when you use humor to put somebody else down, okay, you don't get the same doses, okay. Ooh, okay. You don't get your uh, dose when you, you when you're mean. So there we go. No. Yeah. <laughs> so because that hate, yeah, that hate is poisoning your it's poisoning your uh, medication. Okay, yeah. you're not getting mm-hmm. the benefit uh, uh, from it. You're, you're not lowering your blood pressure. You're not uh, uh, giving it there. So, you got you know, that's why it's again going back to the it's the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor. Okay, 
looking for humor that's therapeutic, makes the situation better, okay, and is applied to specific situations uh, in life. That's not it. Uh, yeah. I think that's yeah. really fascinating. I'm curious about something sort of back to this, um, you know, how it helps us, and I would love to hear from both of you. Like, Ursula, what are some of the ways personally for you you're finding humor is really um, helping. I like this idea of like it, like in a training that it gives a reset. I often find even going through my day, it gives me a bit of a reset. So, or so what are some of your favorite ways it's helping you right now? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, I'm uh, fortunate to have a two and a half year old granddaughter who is exceedingly funny um, at this moment in time, she cannot say certain S words like sky becomes sky, snack becomes nag. Um, and I find that uh, so innocently sweet and very, very funny. So she uh, makes me laugh and really helps me um, also see things in perspective. And then I am very fortunate to have a business partner like Anne who keeps sending me really <laughs> funny cat videos or, you know, little clips from, I don't know, I mean, whatever it might be, but it's all really hilarious. So, you know, I, what I am discovering about myself is that um, I, I think I might be a little bit on the serious side anyway, so I need to have people in my life that make me laugh. And when they do that, I can get in on the act. But self-generating it is, is a little harder for me. Mm. Good awareness. Jim, Bob, how about you personally? I mean, I know you're teaching some improv on Zoom with yep. kids. What, you know, like, so what's getting you through the day and through the, the crisis? <laughs> if there is a through. Okay. All right. What can I say? Uh you know, my day begins, uh, you know, 5.30 or something in the morning, and I have to write a joke. I just I, I just don't feel right unless I've written a joke first thing in the morning. So I uh, go look, look, you know, I look for things that I think might, uh, might spur something, uh, spur of thought. And generally that's good to generate uh, one or two Facebook posts or tweets, Okay. And they can be silly things. And getting back to your question, you know, uh, I, I love when I look at a Facebook feed, and I put up a put up a joke. And I look at who's answering that. Okay, I get a warm fuzzy feeling when I look. It comes to the point. I say, you know, uh, like for example, I found a uh, yeah, I, I found a, a, a forklift that somebody left. Uh, in the middle of the road at a local college campus. I took a picture of it. And I posted, you know, Dear Diary, today I discovered the fork in the road. <laughs> I saw that. That was pretty good. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and I think that's like, you know, I got 70 likes in a, in a short period of time. And I, I loved looking at the list of people that responded and going, you know, these people, if we were in a cocktail party in the same room, okay, these one group would be in this corner, one group would be in that corner, another group would be here. They'd never interact. Okay. Yeah. But we can have that shared laughter, you know, over a silly picture at a at a silly quote. Okay. Yeah. I think that's another thing that helps, you know, when you're you know, if you're dealing with someone, you know, uh, you know, and you're trying to you know, engage in constructive 
discussion of it, it helps if you have a you know a history of shared laughs because okay? then you're not coming out mm-hmm. of the, coming at the, uh, uh, you know, as as the thought police or you know, you're mm-hmm. not coming to them wearing a particular political label you're coming just from hey you know I laughed at this guy and hey, they're, they're telling me I need to check my sources oh. well and you know Jim Bob what that makes me think about and I'm sure many of our audience are familiar with oxytocin but that sometimes gets referred to as the trust hormone it's a pretty complex mm-hmm. hormone but it does tend to in many situations increase the feeling of connection and trust so it seems to me that if we're laughing together that is giving us a boost of oxytocin that is going to make us maybe more open-minded, open-hearted toward the other person. So I think there's a science, definitely scientific reasoning there behind what you're yeah. saying. Yeah. You know, the, yeah, I also uh, wonder the a little if... Thing, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, Jim Bob. Oh, my, my thought is that at one time, there were only three TV networks. And we all watched, you know, we all got our comedy generally. Uh, from the same channels. Okay. Mm-hmm. You, know, you were reading Irma Bombeck or Bennett Surf or uh, Russell Baker. You, know, you, you were watching the Carol Burnett show or uh, or Mash or something like that. So we all, you know, we walked into the office every day. We had commonality. Yeah, yeah you know? you're right. Hey, now, but if everybody's plugged into a different uh, YouTube, YouTube channel or whatnot, and they're and they're isolating themselves from from others. Yeah, we we we, uh, we have less chance to make those connections. Well, and what well, sort of good and can I just say something about that or so the sort of the, yeah, of the yeah the good and the bad of that I because I, I grew up in that generation too everybody was talking about Seinfeld or Mash or whatever but one of the things that's sort of interesting is all of now the subgroups and all of the feelers that they have out and all of the content generators that, you know, go viral or get shared or the funny thing that my 23-year-old son, because he's in a very different world, you know, Mm. the way that humor can then cross over into my world and all of a sudden we're following the same Reddit stream. Um, So there, I, I do definitely think there's a, there was a sweetness to everyone sort of having the same zeitgeist frame of reference. But there's also this cool thing where, you know, all of a sudden, all of my friends are following this one couple that makes really funny videos about being quarantined. And we kind of are, are finding common language within that, that, as you said, maybe brings us together in a way we wouldn't have been otherwise. So, you know, Ursula, you were going to say something about that too. Yeah. I mean, and I, this is where I am going. Um, I think this is one of the reasons why you and I, and like to talk about, the funny adventures that we have had over our, you know, 19, 20 year old uh, business part and friend partnership and friendship. There were some situations that maybe at the time weren't that funny, but now that we are sort of talking about them, um, it connects us. It's humorous. It's funny. So I think telling stories about past mishaps that at the time no. weren't funny, but look funny now is a great way also for families to connect and for, you know, for bringing some humor into life. Yeah, that's great. One of the things that I've been doing, and Jim Bob, and you're part of this, and I think about, you know, I do, maybe without even thinking about it so intentionally, but, you know, I really love the people on my Facebook feed that I can count on for a, for a, 
you know, what we would talk about in our language is like an above the line chuckle, an inclusive chuckle, the fork in the road. Mm -hmm. My friend who lives on a farm in um, Alberta, Canada, and everybody just drops off their abandoned animals, which actually drives her crazy. But as a result, she just has, you know, she's like Noah's Ark. She's got all these animals. They're always doing, and she's got a very quirky way of looking at it. And I can just count on her for something that sometimes it's a real laugh out loud. And sometimes it's just that little chuckle, but you know, if I curate my feed and that I think is something that we can do, like put those people first, put the funny Mm. kind people first on your feed because maybe they'll be giving you your dose. I think that's a good strategy (laughs) frankly. (laughs) <laughs> you can have a friend request and you can get corny puns too <laughs> well Ursula, do you have a good last question for our guest as we wrap up here um, no I don't think I do because uh, this has been uh, this has been really um, a wonderful um you know, a wonderful place. Maybe, so I was pondering not so much even uh, sort of the humor, but the lightness, the lightheartedness mm-hmm. of of life. And I was wondering, Jim Bob, have you always been lighthearted? Have I always been lighthearted? Hmm. Is it your yes and no? Or? <laughs> okay. No, okay. okay. Uh, I, th- I think there were indications early on, thanks to my, uh, especially my sister, who was my partner in crime uh, when I was uh, growing up, where we would uh, share a-, a lot of levity. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Uh, but I, <laughs> to be honest with you, whenever I've been, the only times I've ever quit, okay, quit a job or uh, was when I felt I was in a situation that I couldn't laugh at. If I was in a, because I would always, I could always find some humor in a situation, even if it was a crummy situation. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. I've been a couple of times in my life where I was looking at stuff and I wasn't laughing. Mm, I said, yeah. I, I said, okay, I'm in a bad space. Okay. Because uh, there is humor in everything, even tragedy. Uh, sometimes. Uh, mm-hmm. And I said, you know, so have I always been lighthearted? I've always liked levity. Okay, I don't think I became a content generator until well, hold on a second. Who am I kidding? Okay, yeah, I was I was generating content in high school. (laughs) (laughs) I really, Jim Bob, I really love and am really both touched and inspired by this idea, this sort of check-in question that maybe we can ask ourselves, like when you said that the, the things that are harder to get through or the feelings that, that you need to quit are when you can't find the humor. And um, finding that really worth kind of taking my underlying highlighter pen out and saying, you know, if we can, maybe that's a good takeaway. It's like, if we can find the humor, we can keep going. We can get through anything yeah. if we can just find the humor. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I find that very inspiring. And um, yeah, totally. I think that's a, a really good way to for our audience to 
sort of ponder and looking at life and life situations and and honestly looking at it and saying is there can I still laugh about this is there still some light-hearted place for me that I can find in this situation um, even if you can't outright laugh but uh, you know I think that light-heartedness of looking at a situation could really help that's great I love that Jim Bob if people are intrigued by this idea like oh my gosh there's an association for humor applied in <laughs> therapy humor like who knew how did how did they you know how do they get in get in connection with this really I had to tell you it was one of the warmest most inclusive funniest and delightful conferences yeah. I've ever been to in my life now unfortunately this mm-hmm. year is live but how do people get connected up with AATH Okay, go to aath.org. That's uh, mm. first and foremost. That's the website. That's where you can find out a little bit more about the organization. And I'd like to put in a plug for our research page because I am on the Illuminati, and uh, that's the group that uh, what we do is we look at abstracts and, and articles. We try to uh, uh, keep a current running list of uh, articles that sh- on applied and therapeutic humor for people to go at. I think the page has a sample of four articles that you can look at right now, and there's a whole bunch if you become a member. Okay, yes, oh, that was a plug. Mm. Okay. Awesome. Okay. That, that is great. And hopefully next year the conference will be in person again. Is it? Did it already happen, or is it still about to happen this year? I, I don't remember timing, Jim Bob. Okay. But what has been done is uh, the, the conference has been divided up into into several parts. The Humor Academy part, that will take place uh, beginning uh, next week, actually, uh, May 15th through 17th. Uh, still time to sign up for folks who would like to try that. Okay. And then the conference itself, where we will have presentations by uh, various speakers on different aspects of humor and its application, uh, that's going to be June. Oh, great. Uh, five, six, again, that will be virtual, online, uh, there. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then we also hope to have a, uh, a research a research day. We're going to have uh, Ori Amir, who recently did an article for Reader's Digest on humor, uh, and uh, and some other other speakers. And that's going to be uh, Jul- let's see, make sure I get the date right. I think it's uh, Saturday, July 11th. Awesome. Uh, out there. So uh, check our again check aath.org or check our Facebook feed. Uh, Again, just look up AATH, and uh, we'll be there. Also, a Twitter oh, feed, also LinkedIn feed, and like, and uh, if, you know, and uh, well, wherever the electrons are, you'll find us. That's awesome. That's, That's great. great. Thank you so much for being our guest today, Ursula. Any final words? Um, just for our audience uh, to say thank you for listening. Um, like us on Facebook. Uh, follow us. We also um, have a new YouTube channel. Um, If you look for Be Above or Be Above Leadership, you can find us there. Um, And also our website, which is uh, beaboveleadership.com. So thanks, everybody. And um, yeah, I'm going to try and find some uh, some laughter today. (laughs) Jim Bob, do you have a joke to take us out with? And then we'll close today. Do Do you have a joke on the top of your mind there? Oh, all right. <laughs> okay, but you heard about the uh, heard about the guy that walks into the psychiatrist's office and he's got a parrot on top of his head. No, and, uh, I don't think so. 
You know, so the guy walks into the office with a psychiatrist's office with a parrot on top of his head, and the uh, psychiatrist says, yes, can I help you? And the parrot says, yeah, can you get this guy off my butt? <laughs> I love that. I love that. You've been a delight. You have raised my spirit, and I'm sure our listeners as well. You know, thanks, everybody. Have a great weekend. Thanks, Jim Bob. Yes. Thank, Thank you, Anne. Thank Bob. you, Ursula. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.